0: Hello, this is The Bittersweet Life. If you're a fan of the show, write us a review, and tell your friends about us. And if you donate at thebittersweetlife.net, you'll not only help keep the show going, you'll get a handwritten thank you note in the mail. And we will never forget you. Also, if you want to sponsor the show, contact us through thebittersweetlife.net. And if you're new, welcome, I'm Katie Sewell. This show begins in Rome right after I quit my job as a senior producer for public radio and moved there. This was totally out of my character. My co-host is Tiffany Parks. She's a writer, author of Midnight in the Piazza, and she's my childhood friend. And she also moved to Rome, but over a decade ago. She flew there with no real plan and managed to stay. Don't be afraid to start way back at the beginning. I promise you'll be entertained. And don't be afraid to start thinking about how you might want your life to be different. We're all on this journey together. Welcome to Rome. This is The Bittersweet Life with Katie Sewell and Tiffany Parks. Hello, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. And a week ago today, Monday, if you are listening to this on a Monday, which you may not be, we had the tragic event of Notre Dame catching on fire and largely burning mm-hmm and we did talk about it a little bit with our short Thursday episode, but I thought, I don't know, a thing like Notre Dame burning happens, and there's yeah. a lot more to talk about absolutely. What was your reaction when you found out? How did you find out it was burning, and then what was your reaction to it? I was basically getting Aurelio ready for bed.
1: And I was kind of chatting with my sisters. My, my sisters and I have a group chat on WhatsApp. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, I get this message. It was a screenshot from my sister Monique. And it said, Notre Dame on fire. And there was a photograph of it. I didn't have time to read the article, you know, because I was getting Aurelio ready for bed. And when I did have time to look at it, I really started to feel sick. And we were texting a little bit that night, if I recall. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I feel like I'm going to throw up. And you said, I feel like I'm going (laughs) to (laughs) cry.
0: Seems about right. I mean, we're
1: laughing about it now, but it it was very upsetting for me. I don't think I've been that upset about a world event. I know, this might sound harsh considering all the like horrific things that have happened, which also include loss of life. And I'm not going to say that I don't care about that. But I don't think I ever found myself glued to a news show with a sickening feeling in my stomach like that since 9-11.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And what about you? How did you find out about it?
0: I was driving and my phone chimed four times. And when I got to a stoplight, I checked and it was Derek. And Derek never texts me multiple times in a row. It's always (laughs) just one thing, you know, and that's it. And I thought, geez, he texted three times in a row. Like, What could possibly be going on? And then I checked it, and it just said, Notre Dame is burning. And it sent me a Twitter link that took me to French Twitter. So as soon as I'm at the stoplight, I just start streaming Twitter in the newsfeed and hearing the sound of the people sort of screaming as the spire falls. And I just burst into tears. Did you? I was in Seattle, and I was house-sitting, and I was on my way to go check on the cats I was babysitting, and so the whole time I'm tending to them, I'm just listening to the Twitter and watching the, the video feeds. And then I came outside so upset, and my tire was flat. Oh no. And there's a screw that I could actually see sticking out of the tire. You know how when something terrible is happening and then that one other thing happens? And I just felt so jittery after that. Not only is Notre Dame burning, but now I have a flat tire. Oh, <laughs> you know? It's like the last straw. Everything was <laughs> off balance. My reaction to the flat tire was not the normal reaction I would have to a flat tire because you were upset about this other thing, yeah. It's so funny because
1: on th- the Thursday prior, I had a minor fender bender and I got the left side of my car all dented and I was so upset about it. I was really, really upset. I also got stuck in traffic for three hours that day because of the Formula E race. Mm. Thanks, Italy. Thanks, Rome. That was horrible. It was probably worse than the accident. But I was very upset about this fender bender, you know, and whose fault was it? It was kind of both of our faults, but more mine. And so I just let it slide. And I knew it wasn't going to be that much money. And I knew that long story short, I was in a place that I shouldn't have been. I was like pushing in. (laughs) (laughs) You know, those people who aren't very nice who like push in at the last second. Well, I didn't mean to it was on a street that I don't usually drive on. And I was a little bit confused. And I was pushing in and the truck driver who I was right next to didn't see me because he was so much higher than me and he scraped me and there was no way he was ever going to pay for it. So I just left. There was nothing <laughs> yeah. wrong with his truck. Yeah. Just I don't want anyone to think. She just hit and run. <laughs> anyway, I kept thinking about over and over again in the days that followed. I was like, if only I had taken a different way to, to work. If only I had gotten into that line of traffic earlier. If only I had stayed home with Aurelia who was sick. Then this happened, and I swear that one of the things that I was thinking as I sat there was, I can't believe I was upset about my car. Right, yeah. <laughs> I can't believe that I was so upset about that stupid car door, and now Notre Dame is burning. And at that time, I really thought it was going to burn to the ground. Claudia was in the other room watching a different video, And I hadn't seen that one. And it was like from the air, the whole rectangle of the church, open, no roof, blazing. And I just thought, there's going to be nothing left. And I said to him, I said, I don't want to go to bed because I'm afraid that when I wake up, it's going to be gone. When you live over here in Europe and you follow American elections, it's the same kind of thing. You're scared to go to bed because you know that when you wake up in the morning, you're going to see the news and it might be bad. You might have the craziest president of history <laughs> or or other things. You know, I had the same feeling the night before the midterm elections. We didn't know how it was going to go. Mm-hmm. And I really had that feeling. And I woke up at three a m because Aurelia was awake he, he hasn't been well. And I went into his room and got in bed with him and, of course, I didn't look at my phone. But I couldn't stop thinking about it for like an hour. I couldn't get to sleep because I was just churning in my mind. Is it gone? Is it gone? It could be gone. And I don't know. And I won't know until tomorrow. And it was just, it was just this weight on my stomach. And when I woke up and I quickly checked, I was honestly very heartened by how much survived. And yes, the roof is gone. And yes, the spire is gone. And of course, there's total devastation inside from the ceiling beams falling and all of that. But most of the actual building itself is there. The towers are there. The facade is there. The famous flying buttresses are there. I saw a photograph from inside. And a lot of the stonework is still there. I guess because I was psyching myself up for total devastation that when I saw how much did survive, I just felt incredible relief. I don't know about you.
0: Yeah, definitely. For sure. Derek likened it to when an earthquake happens. That's what the event felt like to him. I burst into tears. But he said he felt like all of a sudden, you realize that something that seems so permanent. Mm -hmm. And then to realize that it's not was a bigger shift is what he was saying, like a a bigger shift than just, oh, the loss of a building. It was, I wrote down one thing that he was saying, because we were just talking about it. And he just said, human beings need to be grounded. And that was one of the touch points that grounded us in this world. And he was saying he thinks that people need to feel small sometimes, even though we live in a huge universe, we still need these things that make us feel smaller. And Notre Dame was one of those things that made us feel small in the world. And gave us this transcendent space to just be little creatures in and to have it catch on fire was just such a shocking thing to have happen
1: yeah and I think it makes us feel small not just in a physical sense but in like a time sense because of the history that that building has seen so many things have happened there historic events and weddings and crowning of napoleon and all of these things not to mention
0: all the people who are buried there
1: exactly it just makes you feel like you know it's like the Colosseum. it's it, it makes you feel like you occupy a very small period of time which is sad in a sense but it's also kind of amazing because it makes you realize how infinite the world is and how long human history is and it can really be something that makes you have awe in that sense too. Yeah. It's like, even this, it's like, even this is gonna end. I read a book called Paris by Edward Rutherford. I don't know if you're familiar with that author. Mm -mm. He writes about cities. He'll take a city and he will tell the history of the city through the lives of people who live there. It'll jump centuries and it'll go all the way from the founding of the city up until the present day. And I've read New York, London, Paris, and Dublin. New York was the first one I read, and, and because New York has such a shorter history than these other cities, it's it actually is every single generation of the same family. It's they're wonderful books. I love them. And the Paris one, it starts with Notre Dame, if I remember. Correctly, It does kind of jump around in history as opposed to the other books that go in chronological order. But I want to say that the first chapter, Notre Dame is being built. Mm. And it's just such an integral part of that city. Not only is it at the physical center of the city, on the island, in the Seine, smack dab in the middle of the city. And you can see it from so many parts of the city. It's just such a big part of the fabric of that city and of the history we feel like this, who we've never lived in Paris. I can't even imagine how Parisians feel.
0: Oh, yeah. There was an opinion article in the New York Times the other day that was called A Cathedral for a Fragile Age. But in that was another quote I wrote down, because I thought it was so beautiful. It was like the guy that wrote the article, Roger Cohen, shared in that article, a note that he had gotten from a friend of his that lives in Paris just to sort of give what the perspective was Mm -hmm. that friend was named Sarah Cleveland. So she's actually standing there watching it and trying to describe to him what it was like to be there. And she wrote, it was strangely quiet and still, as if people were in a trance, watching the fire boil inside the shell of the cathedral walls, like a cauldron. The scene was solemn, reverent, hopeless, It seemed impossible that something so monumental could be so fragile. Mm -hmm. I thought that was a really amazing image. Yeah, it gives me goosebumps. Yeah. One of my initial reactions, which is probably not a very appropriate one, was (laughs) when you see the news, people always say, well, at least no one died. The most important thing, at least no one died. And I definitely had that moment where I said, is it? Is it the most important thing that nobody died? I mean, I'm really grateful that nobody died, but we have that those kind of platitudes of like, well, the most important thing is nobody died. In this case, is that the most important thing? Well, I think
1: uh, it's it's a really tricky thing to talk about because if you were to lose your wife or your husband or your child or your parent, you would be absolutely horrified to think that someone cared more about a physical non-living structure than that person who is, you know, unique in the world and completely irreplaceable and a soul, in my opinion, at least. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, (laughs) there are certain things in this world that are, I don't know, that are so priceless. Can they go beyond the value of a
0: human soul, a human life? I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. And is there a living quality to a building like that? Well, maybe there is. Another one of my friends was saying that the thing that she found the most disturbing about it was the age of the timber that had burned. Mm, And what was the age of that timber? (laughs) The wood that was in the ceiling had been cut down around 1160, 1170 (sighs) in forests that largely don't exist anymore. Wow. And they think that the trees, when they were cut back then, were 300 to 400 years old already. Amazing! And she was just saying... That would make the oldest timber of that church around 1300 years old. And what's the value of that, that you've lost all that? And can we as a modern society even rebuild something like that? Do we have the resources, do we have the skills? Well, I think we absolutely can.
1: Absolutely, of course we do. Like I said in the mini episode on Thursday, that church has been rebuilt before. I saw someone on Instagram, and I think I probably should have taken a little bit more time with my comment because I think it came off rudely, <laughs> but it's too late now. Oops. It was someone I don't really know, but I follow on Instagram and she posted a picture of the Duomo in Milan. And she said, I'm posting this because I don't have a photograph of Notre Dame because I've never been there. And now I know I will never get to see the original Notre Dame. And she put original in quotes. And everyone else had written, you know, I'm devastated. I'm There's no words. And I mean, I agree with all of that. But I wrote, don't fret. I should have written take heart or something a little bit nicer. But I wrote, don't fret. No one alive before the French Revolution saw the original Notre Dame.
0: I find that kind of lovely, actually. Very poetic.
1: Oh, okay, good. I thought, I thought, <laughs> well, she didn't respond. I was like, oh my gosh, I offended her. I don't want to seem flippant. I care about Notre Dame. And I don't want to seem like I, whatever. Like Vittorio's Garbi. I don't know if you are familiar with this famous Italian art historian wrote this article the next morning about like how no one should be crying over Notre Dame because it's totally rebuilt and there are much worse tragedies like the the Cathedral of Noto, which I do have to kind of admit in a certain sense, buildings to, that were much better preserved, like San Paolo in 1823, like I talked about. In 1823, San Paolo was almost identical to how it looked in the fourth century, Really, that's more of a tragedy.
0: But I don't even know that you can mark it like that because it's what it means to you personally or like what it means to the heart of France. Yeah,
1: of course. But I mean, I just feel like if we've rebuilt it before, or at least partially, obviously, we can rebuild it again. There's no reason that in 2019, we can't replicate a church spire from 1870. And it's not a travesty to do so. I mean, people have been doing this for a long time. A lot of places have been destroyed partially or completely and rebuilt. Now, when they're destroyed completely and they're rebuilt, you know, it's it kind of feels like a bit, a bit of a shadow of the original place. Like, there's a church in um, Messina. Messina, which is a Sicilian town, it suffered from a terrible earthquake in 1907 and the cathedral there was totally destroyed and they basically rebuilt it identically but with all new materials like nothing survived and honestly i mean i went there but i was kind of like "Mm, there isn't like the feel of history in that place you don't feel it whereas san paulo i know it's not completely original but some of it is the mosaics are there the cloister is there so at least some of it you know and i think it retains that sense of history
0: do you think that the fact that notre dame will be rebuilt during our lifetimes somehow roots us in history in a kind of an interesting way. 300 years from now, when we're talking about the history of Notre Dame, they'll say, well, and in 2020, after the big fire of 2019, XYZ happened. Yeah, 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 I think so. I mean, I think
1: when I read history, and I've studied so much of Roman history, I'm used to like reading, in such and such a year, a fire destroyed this part, or a fire, you know, it's usually a fire, but it's sometimes like a sack. San uh, San Clemente which is one of Rome's most famous churches, I'm sure many of you know about. There was an ancient, some ancient buildings and then a church was built on top of it in the fourth century. And that church was destroyed or very, very, very highly damaged during the sack, a Norman sack of Rome in 1084 or 1085. And instead of rebuilding, they were like, let's just build another church right smack on top, which is what they did. That church is now one of the most fascinating places to visit in Rome. Because of these layers of history, there can always be positive, interesting things to come out of these tragedies. Another one is the city of Noto, which I just mentioned. Noto is another Sicilian town. Sicily gets a lot of earthquakes. But this city is so interesting because it was destroyed in like 1600. The entire city was leveled. Nothing survived. And they completely rebuilt in the new Baroque style. Now, if you hate Baroque, you would hate Noto. But you know how many cities like Rome, but other cities, like they have all of these different styles of architecture. And sometimes that can be great. But it's also really interesting to go to a town that's it's entirely Baroque. Like everywhere you look, it's just this gorgeous, ornate, cream-colored marble, intricate And it's just gorgeous. That's another positive. You know me. I'm always putting positive spins on everything. (laughs) And luckily, Paris was not entirely destroyed, although it was supposed to be completely destroyed during World War II. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, I do think, to answer your main question and not go too much off on a tangent, I do think that people will say, oh, there was a fire in 2019. Oh, my God. I wonder what it was like to live through that. And I mean, I think people who who read history do kind of think, oh my gosh, St. Peter's was torn down. I wonder what it was like to see that happen or, you know, whatever.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's interesting, back when we started, the comparison that you made to the Twin Towers, like watching the Twin Towers come down. And obviously they're very different. They're both very shocking things to see. Twin Towers weighs on me mentally heavier because it was so destructive to human life and to that entire area of New York City. But... It's interesting because people have been making that comparison, that the two are somehow related. That was one of the other things that Derek and I were discussing the other night. He said another thing that was very insightful. He admitted there are similarities. When he saw Notre Dame burning, he flashed back to the horror of watching 9-11 happen also. But he said that the difference between the two was that the Twin Towers were like the symbol, the worldwide symbol of the worst parts of America industry greed Greed. capitalism financial exploitation and he goes well notre dame is the symbol of the heart of france the symbol of the transcendence of humanity of the peace that we have in common Mm -hmm. so in that way losing notre dame is symbolically like losing the countless hopes and dreams of generations of people even though we didn't lose it entirely but that night we thought we would i mean i really thought we would exactly yeah every time i saw that
1: video and i just i felt like i kept seeing it over and over again every single person was posting a video of the spire falling and it was making me flash back and it was just so upsetting to me i mean i now know that it's not completely destroyed it still bothers me that video i, I don't like to see it just like i don't like to see the videos of the twin towers falling. It's, like you said, it's shocking, it's, it's traumatic.
0: Have you been to Paris? Yes, and I've been to Notre Dame. Although I'm one of those people that was only there for two or three days, and so I actually didn't go into Notre Dame. Oh, you didn't go in? Yeah, I was on a kind of a whirlwind trip with my parents and Derek. We were trying to show my parents as much as possible in a very limited period of time. So we spent some time outside of Notre Dame but I do remember walking along the side of it and looking up at all the gargoyles looking down. And I did definitely think about them while I was watching it burn. Do you know that some of them were taken down to be restored? Like several of them? Yeah, I heard that. Isn't that great? What a wonderful thing that is Yeah. to have happen. These kind of wonderful little, oh, but just by chance, I know. they weren't there. You know what else I thought about? how horrific
1: do the people in charge of the restoration feel? Oh, yeah. I mean, not just because they say that the fire may have started because of the restoration, which I don't know if they've proven that or not. I mean, I think about my silliest, stupidest little personal projects, you know, <laughs> and when I'm working on something and it falls apart, how frustrating that is.
0: But it's nothing like ruining the countless hopes and dreams of generations of people. Yeah.
1: I mean, how... how. You know, just to think how much work they had done. And not only was their work undone, but so much more destruction and damage was created in just such a short period of time. And I think about the man who started the fire of San Paolo, you know, and I just think, how could you ever live with yourself?
0: I mean, I'm mostly glad that if it was going to burn, that it wasn't started by somebody. Oh, me too. I feel like our world or at least my world, would not have been able to handle that. That if it had been like an arsonist attack. An arson. Yeah. I mean, I would have handled it, obviously, but I feel like (laughs) I would have been just devastated given the state of things in so many countries in the world. I feel like it would have just been that one extra thing that just pushes everybody off the cliff. I know. (laughs) Uh, I I laugh about it because (sighs) it's so terrifying to think that that would be a thing. So to end... I would like you to nominate, and I would like everybody listening to nominate, because I intend to make this our follow-up Thursday episode. Okay. Nominate what building, structure, statue, whatever you want to choose. Monument, anything. What building, monument, would have the same effect as Notre Dame burning, if it were to be burned, or to be lost in any way any city any city
1: does the effect have to be global or can it be just that city
0: no I think it should be global although I'm open I'm open to interpretation here
1: all right I got a really good one (laughs) the Colosseum no the Colosseum is not my favorite monument in Rome it's probably not even in the top five but the Colosseum has the same kind of historic significance to Italy it's so much a part of the city of Rome. You know, it's been there for 2,000 years. There could be no Rome without the Colosseum. It wouldn't be Rome anymore. Almost like yeah, there wouldn't be Paris if Notre Dame weren't there.
0: Yeah. So more so than, say, St. Peter's, if it were to burn.
1: Not more so, more so. St. Peter's is important on a on a more of a religious level. It still would be very important to Catholicism. But again, that church is not that old. I mean... It's not young but it's only 400 years old or something yeah which for Rome is just not that big of a deal (laughs) as far as age yeah
0: I mean for me for me if Saint Peter's were to burn I would be most concerned about the Pieta yeah the statue itself yeah me too of everything that I've seen that's in there that could be lost I I mean I would I would not want to lose the big blue dome either but if it was just what was going to happen internally if the pietà was destroyed i feel like that would be the biggest tragedy of losing that particular building
1: absolutely i think it would be horrific but for the city of rome itself i think losing the colosseum would be you know who are we well, you know the, you, you would have no identity anymore and now it's something that you could never rebuild you could rebuild st peter's you could make something exactly the same obviously you couldn't recreate the pietà and you couldn't recreate you know, exactly everything perfectly, but you could make a model of it, a life size model of it. What are they gonna do? Rebuild a new fake Coliseum with ancient stone like I don't know. There just wouldn't be a way.
0: Yeah, see I would actually for my nomination, if I was picking something in Rome, I would say the Pantheon. For me, as my personal favorite building in all of Rome, would be the biggest loss
1: i love the pantheon much more than i love the coliseum i adore the pantheon it is a huge important part of the city but it is not a, it is not like the symbol of the city the essence of rome you know what i mean you will see old italian men like walking around with a gold chain and like a pendant of the coliseum on it you don't <laughs> yeah. see that with the pantheon as much as i love the pantheon it's just not as much of a symbol of the city if that makes sense
0: i get that so don't forget as we're talking if you're thinking of one particular thing either send it to us on social media before thursday because i'm going to be making this episode and so asap actually by wednesday by wednesday morning ideally yes or send it by email bittersweetlife at mail.com you can also send a voice message yeah i love voice memos too yes send me your voice and i will put it on the show bittersweetlife at mail.com. Okay, so don't forget to do that.
1: So what's your nomination?
0: I mean, I would say the Pantheon, but since I'm in the United States, I will take up the challenge of trying to pick what in the United States would be as moving. Mm. And I've heard people say that they think the Statue of Liberty, but I actually feel like it would be the White House. Mm. If the White House were to burn to the ground, I think that if you're looking at the United States with its very thin history comparatively in the world I think the White House is the one building I can think of that's symbolic to this country and but I mean I really struggle to pick anything because my mother was saying oh well maybe the Empire State Building I thought about the Empire State Building. But the Empire
1: State Building is a symbol of... Commerce. Well, I would say it's a symbol of New York.
0: Symbol of New York. But I thought about the Statue of Liberty, too. Which was also made by France. (laughs) One of our best things. I know it is. I
1: know. Thanks, France. All the best stuff is made by French people and Italian people.
0: I don't know. I mean, I just
1: think the Statue of Liberty is also very symbolic of what America was founded on. The sort of principles that it was founded on and the idea of, you know welcoming immigrants. So I think it's symbolic and symbolic for that reason.
0: I would love to hear from people too who who are living in places that are not of a Western culture background because I also think that Notre Dame and or the Statue of Liberty these things stand out because of the Western Mm storyline. When Derek and I were talking about all this we were with one of his colleagues who was from India and he was just one not that touched about or moved about Notre Dame burning because for him it doesn't have very much symbolic importance Mm -hmm. and two he also didn't feel like he could think of anything from where he was from um, in India that he would feel was as devastating as we were reacting to it
1: that's surprising because the Taj Mahal is the most beautiful man-made place I've ever seen it's so incredibly beautiful when you see it in person because it's made of transparent or translucent marble. So it shines, it it picks up the color of the light. Whatever color the light is, it it becomes that color. It's unbelievably beautiful. And I was was assaulted outside the the Taj Mahal. You can go back and listen to episode one. Episode called Assault. Assault, yeah. It's a little bit tinged, that experience, but I'm surprised that someone from India wouldn't automatically think of the Taj Mahal because beyond being a total tourist trap and all of that, it's so beautiful
0: yeah well maybe he's just not a sentimental guy maybe but it did raise the question of made me wonder how much this reaction is also a western culture reaction so if anybody's living somewhere else i'd love to hear about that too Mm -hmm. please write to us and let us know give us your nominations yes so should we leave it there yeah okay and until next time let's hope nothing else burns (laughs) (laughs) nervous little laugh (laughs) until next time this is the bittersweet life i'm katie sewell
1: i'm tiffany parks join us
0: again bye thanks to Lori lee elliott for her help managing the bittersweet life on youtube and to sarah johnson for her consultation our logo is made by jody rick at the lost laboratory with painting assistance by our muse caravaggio you can find us on instagram facebook and twitter just search for the bittersweet life podcast and if you haven't already please subscribe to the show that way, we're here for you every week, both on Monday and now on Thursday. And if you review us on Apple Podcasts, we'll be grateful for you. Send us your topic ideas, questions, and voice memos. We're at mail.com or at the Contact Us page at thebittersweetlife.net.